Hi, I'm Beth Fuller, and you're listening to the Food Adventures Podcast. I know the world can feel intimidating or scary at times, but I'm here to tell you it doesn't have to be. Through the lens of food, we can learn so much about one another, celebrate our differences, and maybe eat some tasty food along the way. Are you ready to do this? I know I am. So let's go on a food adventure together right now. Hey everyone, you're listening to the Food Adventures Podcast. I'm your host, Beth Fuller, and this is episode 21. 21. All right, you know the drill. Don't take notes. I take notes. Go to my website. Check out everything. The show notes, all of my beautiful photos, because I'm a food and product photographer. That's how I pay my bills. So let's work together. Let's take some beautiful pictures of your beautiful products. ElizabethRFuller.com. You need questions answered, culinary questions. Maybe it's non-culinary questions. Maybe you need relationship advice. Well, I can try to help. Email the podcast. Let's go on a food adventure at gmail.com. And on Instagram, tag me in all of your food adventures because I love seeing what you guys are doing. Let's go on a food adventure. Let's go on a food adventure today, right now. Bonjour, mes amis. Aujourd'hui, nous allons à la belle Paris, France, et nous parlons tous des fromages français. Yay! All right. So, um, I don't know if I pronounced a lot of those words right. I took French for, I think, th- three or four years in what we call like middle school, junior high through, um, my first two years of high school. And literally all I can really firmly say, obviously is like, bonjour, uh, ça va. And then, est-ce que je peux aller au WC? Or, est-ce que je peux aller au Bois de Loup? Which is literally for those who, um, do not speak French. Hello, how are you? Can I please go to the bathroom? Can I can I get a drink of water? I know. So today we're talking all about French cheese. We are going to Paris. Are your bags packed? I hope they are. Is your passport up to date? Should have been because we went to Italy earlier in the year. Now we're going to Paris. We're talking to an amazing woman who lives in Paris. And I like... As we know, I crave travel and the pandemic and me and limiting my travel and my like experiences out in the world. I, I live vicariously through a lot of people and these people live in other places. So talking to Jen today, Jennifer, it's just, it's such an honor and a privilege and something that I really treasured. And I, I can't wait for you guys to hear the interview. So I think because her and I talked for really an extended amount of time and now we're seriously new best friends, I think we should just start just diving into it, right? Oh man, my guest. Eek. I'm so excited. Okay, so her and her husband are expats from the US that moved to France about 15 years ago. Doesn't that sound like the best thing ever? I'm just like staring up at the sky as I say that, like in the most dreamy way, like, ah, I would love to move to Paris or France or anywhere that's different (laughs) from here. (laughs) You might think that you love cheese 
Mm, you might think you maybe you like learning about cheese. Maybe you enjoy eating cheese. Who doesn't? Well, Jennifer, Jennifer has created an entire world around cheese. Isn't that amazing? French cheese at that. She's a writer. She's a teacher, both in person and online. And she's an incredible tour guide who is giving very authentic and beautiful gastronomical tours around Paris. Who doesn't want to do that with her? I want to do them all. So without further ado, please welcome to the podcast one of my new best friends and soon to be one of yours, Jennifer Greco from Chez Lulu, France. Hey, Jennifer, how's it going? Oh, good. Thank you so much, Beth, for having me. I'm super excited to be here today. Um, I'm super excited to have you because, uh, full disclosure, you're my first guest from Paris and I am like craving, craving travel right now. So I feel like I'm in Paris in your beautiful Parisian flat, hanging out, having wine, having cheese. It's like what, five o'clock there right now or four o'clock. What time is it? Four o'clock. It's almost the time for a little aperitif. Not <sighs> quite yet, but <laughs> I would girl, anytime's the time for an aperitif. Let's be honest. I can I can aperitif with you all day long. Doesn't <laughs> uh, no, it's four o'clock, some five o'clock somewhere. Yeah, exactly. So by your accent, everyone can guess you are not a original Parisian, even though you've been now in France long enough, I think you could be considered you are probably adopted by the country. But where are you from originally? <laughs> I'm from Washington State originally, so I grew up in Eastern Washington uh, in Spokane and then lived in Seattle for many years, went to the University of Washington in Seattle. And then uh, we, my husband is a native New Yorker and we moved to France, um, it was 18 years ago last month. That's insane. Okay, why, I mean, this is a silly, silly question, but why France? Like what pulled you guys there? It's funny, uh, my high school French teacher, Mademoiselle O'Grady, she was incredible. <laughs> oh, Mrs. O'Grady, okay. <laughs> love it, I love it. She was not that typical teacher that you just went in and you conjugated verbs yeah. and you learned vocabulary. We had to take, we had to learn the maps of Paris and take exams on, you know, if I were going from uh, Sacré-Cœur to the Notre-Dame, we had to know where they were on the map. So my first experience coming to France, it was a student trip when I was 16. I felt like I'd already knew the city oh. and it was, she just instilled this love of France. And my husband really, he did not know France until we met. <laughs> I in Paris for the first time with me uh, 20 some years ago. And we decided uh, more of as an, an investment than anything, because this was still before the Euro. Okay. We thought we, it would be a good investment. We were down in the South of France, actually. We came again on our, honey, on our honeymoon and the prices of everything was incredibly inexpensive. Like you went into the grocery store and wine was a dollar a bottle. Oh my God. And it was his idea. He said, you know, we should buy a house here and maybe we can retire one day because if the cost of living is this cheap. And so we, <laughs> uh, we found a house in a small winemaking village, about 400 people. Um, and we bought it and then we moved uh, because mainly what happened is after 9-11, he mm -hmm. was a computer consultant and all of his work dried up. Mm. 
So we, he knew his job prospects for years to come were not going to be great. And mm -hmm. we had the house here paid for. We just thought, okay, let's get our visas and go. <gasps> and we figured if it didn't work, we could always go back. So right. really, uh, it was not like one day to the next. It was about a full year of getting paperwork organized and that whole thing. But definitely worth it. This is like my under the Tuscan sun fantasy yeah. right now that you're talking about. Like I would, I'm obsessed with picking up and just going. And the fact that you guys did it and like, you did it in such a beautifully organic way together that you're like, screw it. Let's try it. We don't have, like, I imagine you probably didn't have kids or animals or anything. And you're like, well, the only thing we're going to miss is our family. So, and they can come visit. So, yeah. and we can go visit. Yeah. We did have two dogs and a cat though. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Getting them organized was actually a big pain because yeah. we had to have vet certificates, rabies certificates within like 48 hours of flying and all this stuff. But did they have uh, to quarantine too? They did not. No. Um quarantine was for the for England, the British mm. Island, but not mm. mainland Europe. Sweet. We had to get special certificates and everything. Uh, but actually they never checked them when we got here. Of course Cost not. It's a fortune, but for nothing. But no, of course. Saying that you shouldn't follow no, the rules. You know? <laughs> you know and what that? those rules are now have probably changed in the oh, last 18 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love I would I wouldn't leave my fur babies behind either. Oliver's coming with me wherever I'm going. So I I hear you. And traveling <laughs> with animals on an airplane, sedating them, putting them wherever you're gonna put them, whatever you're gonna do, it's a nightmare in itself. I mean, I can't yeah. even. The stress of just figuring out your stuff and then yeah. figuring out your fur baby stuff and then leaving everything behind and then going is, I, my hat yeah. is off to you. You right. did it though, girl. Yeah, we did. It was interesting. <laughs> I'm sure it was. Is there any parts of living in, in France now that you, when you look back at your life in the U.S. that you miss here in, in the States that you wish you could bring with you? Mexican food. Oh, stop it. I would be so hurt without Mexican food. No good Mexican food in Paris. It's slowly changing slowly. Yes. Uh, there's now a few new stores. You can get some of the products. There's this great guy. He's from Oregon mm. worked on, uh, there's one of the islands off the coast of Washington state Lumi Island that has this really incredible, well-known restaurant. The name of it is eluding me, That's fine. Uh, but he's here. Robert is his name. And mm. so he's been doing, oh, is that his name? Today can be. <laughs> That's his name. Yeah. Uh, he's been doing these, basically he lives clear across town, but you order from him online and he delivers <gasps> every week. It's different. And, uh, he'll ride his bike down and just deliver, and it's like 15 euros per person. It's tortillas and a dish and salsa <sighs> and everything. And it's incredible. So it's slowly changing, but really if you leave Paris, forget it. Oh yeah. You're I'm, not getting anything though. No. There's not a guajillo chili to be seen no. anywhere. <laughs> tortillas. <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> jalapenos is I can find them on one site. Uh, it's really funny. It just, uh, the French are very, they have beautiful aromatic yeah. food, but not spicy food. No, mm -mm. Right. no, no. And it, Mexican is so different than Spain or Sp like you can't go oh, to yeah. Spain and you're not, I mean, it's just, it Mex I'm my heart, me and my husband, if we could eat one thing all the time, it would be some version of a taco. Like we are obsessed. I've been to Mexico a handful of times. I am just, I know I'm actually, I just made my grocery list 
I literally, right before we jumped on, I was making my, I make like a whole grocery list for the week. And one of the things I'm going to make, and I might pronounce this wrong, is the Bira tacos. Okay. Do you know what I'm talking about? They're like, um, and we're totally off topic, but they're like these, the stewed, beautiful stewed meat and all in guajillo chilies and everything in beef short ribs and chuck. And then you stew it for almost a day. And then uh-huh. you pull the meat out. And then what you do is you fry the tortilla, the corn tortilla with the meat and then the Oaxacan cheese on it oh. and in the pan, like in lard. And then you dip it in the sauce. So it's this crunchy, crispy, I'm salivating. <laughs> it's 10 a.m. and I'm salivating talking to you about this. And like, you know, the the Oaxio cheese is like that beautiful, stretchy, mm-hmm. long. Oh my God, I'm it's going to take two days, but I'm, I'm very excited about that taco adventure I'm about to go on. Me. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. If I could send them to you, I wouldn't heartbeat. Okay. Enough about tacos, cheese. Let's talk about cheese. You're here okay, for cheese. Yay. Yes. Why cheese? This is, I can answer this myself. Cause I'm obsessed with cheese. And if I was lactose intolerant, I would cry every day in the shower, just in a little ball, but like what made you fall so deeply in love with cheese? It's so funny. Um, I, so I grew up, uh, my dad's side is Italian and uh, they came over from the South of Italy and I grew up as a very picky eater, like mm. peanut butter and jelly and sugary cereals, Lucky Charms was my favorite, were my go-tos. But <laughs> my grandfather who made his own wine, his mm. own, his own uh, cured Italian sausages, charcuterie, yeah. Yeah, um, he, they would also get these big balls of provolone and mm-hmm. age them in their cellars for like oh, a year. Wow. And it came out super strong and we used to call it stinky cheese. And I loved that stuff. So strangely enough, you know, like lucky Lucky charms, just stinky cheese. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. Hey, there's a gateway drug for everything, right? Like I love that. So I had a cheese book um, as an adult before France, uh, Stephen Jenkins book. I can't remember the title of it. It's at our house in the South. Mm-hmm. And it was great. And I was kind of interested in it, just food in general from Europe. I was always interested. My, most of my cookbooks were French or Italian. And then I, when we moved here, I started a food blog. So it's now 15 years old. I haven't updated it in a few, few months, <laughs> which I will soon. Uh, so one day, about 12 years ago, I was standing in a covered market that had three different cheese sellers. And mm. I was standing there looking trying to buy something and looking at there were like 50 or 70 cheeses in front of me and I realized I only really knew about six or seven of them and I thought I live in this country with incredible cheese so it was almost like wanting to learn about wine I thought okay I'm just going to start buying them and tasting them and also I thought it would be great material for my blog so with that I just became obsessed and then (laughs) This project, which at the time I started it, I thought there were only four or 500 cheeses made in France. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, the recent Dairy Farmers Association, they came out with this new figure because France is very varied. And so you say if you're a sheep farmer in this part of the Pyrenees making a hard wheel of cheese, but your sheep are eating something in particular because mm. they're at this altitude mm-hmm. versus this altitude. Um, and maybe you're making the cheese a little differently, but you're calling it just like a sheep cheese and your neighbor 10 miles down the road is making in essence a sheep cheese, but they're not exactly the same cheese. Sure. 
Right. So they're a style of cheese, but they're not exactly the same cheese. So the French dairy farmers now say there are between 15 or 1400 and 1600 cheeses. And there's this huge number because cheeses disappear when people retire and new people buy farms and create new cheeses. So, so (laughs) with that, um, I've now kind of exhausted most of my resources at the cheese shops because a lot of them are made by one farmer out in the middle of nowhere and they're sold at a local market or at uh, their farm and so I've had over 400 now but honestly um, I go to the cheese shops here and scan everything there and it is rare that I find something new. So you need to get out of the city and like make your vacations or destinations Uh of cheese eating. Yeah. Wow that's incredible like that's so exciting because then and I had this conversation with somebody when I was talking with them in Tuscany, and it, it just makes it so much more memorable when you make the connection with the farmer, talking to them about the story, and then your memories of eating that cheese and having that experience oh, yeah. are so much deeper and more rich, and it's just so special. It really is. I admire you, and I'm sorry, 400 cheeses is a lot of cheeses. That's something <laughs> you should be very proud of. And I think to do all 1500, I, I, I hope you do it. I really, truly do. And I think you'll crush it. I fingers crossed. You know, I do need to take a really long, long road trip. <laughs> you do. It's going to be like a three year long road trip. And you're going to need some probably like Lipitor and something else along the way, because man, oh man, you're going to be there's the cholesterol might spike here and there from all of your cheese eating. Okay. So my husband Todd is an executive chef. And one of the things he wanted me to ask you was a cheese called, and I may or may not pronounce this right. La Morbia. No. Yeah. No. La Morbia. La Morbia. Yes. What can you talk a little bit about it? Cause it's kind of an interesting cheese, at least to us here in the U S we think it's interesting. You in France, you might be like, nah, it's, just oh, no, cheese. it's a great cheese. It's a great cheese. It is it has that little line of ash through the center of it. So mm-hmm. it's very distinctive looking. So traditionally, that was because the cheese was made with so animals are milked twice a day. So they would take the milk from the morning, and it would curdle, they'd have the cheese curds, they would put mm-hmm. them into the forms or the molds that the cheese was made in. And in order to keep flies and things off of it, they would sprinkle ash on it that came straight out of the fireplace. And then the evening milk, actually, I can't remember if it was evening first and then the next morning, but whatever. Yeah. They would sprinkle ash from their fireplace on top of the cheese curds to protect it from flies and things. So nowadays it's not coming from people's fireplaces. That ash is, um, it's an edible ash, usually from really finely burned uh, vegetable peels. Mm -hmm sometimes from wood, but it's perfectly edible. It's mixed mm-hmm. with salt and it is an edible ash that you purchase. They use ash as well in uh, goat cheeses. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes those are coming from the clippings of vines when they go and prune the vineyards. Mm. And sometimes it's activated charcoal. Morbier, uh, mm. it comes from the Alps. It's from the Jura where Conte is from. Conte mm. is a famous Alpine style mm-hmm. So it's cow's milk. It's kind of a squidgy texture. It's got some good flavor, good, like kind of yeasty, um, kind of buttery, but mm. it's, yeah, I like it. Does the morning milk and the evening milk have two different tasting profiles? Um, the morning milk has more 
butter fat in it, oh, I believe. Sure. But it okay. also depends on what season it is. Yeah. Because so it's, well, it's what they're eating. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So morning milk, I believe, has more, yeah, has more fat in it, more butter fat. That's wonderful. Okay. Now, the other thing Todd wanted me to ask you about mm-hmm. was I know we we were talking before we jumped on about wax aging versus cave aging. And in France, there's really no wax aging. But cave aging is what most French cheeses, if it's being aged, right? Am I right with that? It's more popular? It's more popular. I, yeah, I cannot think off the top of my head of any wax covered cheeses. Um, there may be one or two, but if, they are, if there are, they're coming from the north where it's similar to Dutch mm-hmm. style cheeses. But I can't think of any. Uh, cave aging. So when you have cheese, and they're aging in a specific environment, what's floating around in the air and landing on the rinds does impart flavor. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna use Roquefort as an mm-hmm. example, the okay. famous blue cheese. Mm-hmm. It's in one set of limestone caves that go down about 10 stories. They've been making that cheese in those caves for over 2000 years that we know of. It was mentioned in the diaries of Pliny the Elder and he died in 79 AD. So, wow. Yeah. Uh, that those caves, because they're, they have what are called, uh, they call them chimneys. So they have these natural cracks that go all the way to the top and allow air to be Mm -hmm. constantly circulating. And so it's always the same temperature and it's always the same humidity there. And if you throw that off, that means that the blue, which is mold, psyllium rocaforti, it will mess up the blue molds and will not grow or if it's too hot or if it's too cold, um, it won't grow. If it's too hot, mm-hmm. it will completely take over the cheese. So cave and a, a cave environment is super important. There's another one called Saint Nectaire in from the Auvergne and it is aged pretty much most of the villages in that region have their own Saint Nectaire cave aging spaces. And it is this perfect environment of humidity and temperature that gives it the flavor, gives uh, all of these things floating around and microbes, enzymes and molds and stuff. And so it is really important, Um, but they do use modern spaces as well. Uh, So the word cave or cave does Mm -hmm. mean cellar. So Mm -hmm. you have a cheese shop here that has above their shop, modern refrigerated humidity and climate controlled aging spaces they they're using old world war ii bunkers in the alps outside of the city here so mm-hmm. there's lots of different places you can age cheese um also aging a young cheese you're not going to let it sit for a long time i'm thinking um a young goat cheese that's served at two to three weeks old it's not aged in a cave it's aged in just a refrigerated mm-hmm. humidity mm-hmm. controlled space so it's amazing. Like yeah. who two over 2000 years ago took some cheese, put it in the cave and then blue crap grew all over it and was like, you know, I'm going to eat that. I'm going to eat it. Yeah. They have like, a great, there's all these little legends about I love it. About. And that one is the shepherd boy with a cheese sandwich because the mold comes from rye bread. Oh, okay. So he had his sandwich with just cheese and he had his, it's a sheep cheese. So he was tending to his flock. He saw this cute girl tucked of his course, sandwich away. 
in this little cave, I went after her and forgot his sandwich. And then when he came back, it was covered with this mold, but he was hungry. So we ate it anyway. And it was delicious. <laughs> Thank goodness for love, boys chasing tail. I love it. Okay, so speaking of storing cheese, how do we actually store cheese properly? Because I think that most people don't do it right. And like you get that we anyway, you you tell us. Yeah. Plastic is not your friend. Okay. Cheese is a living, <laughs> breathing thing. Now, if you buy it today and you're serving it tomorrow and it's in plastic, it's not a big deal. But mm-hmm. if you're holding on to I'll use a hard cheese, like even a Parmigiano Reggiano for, because mm-hmm. you, you're going to grate it or use mm-hmm. it in cooking or whatever. It's better if it's wrapped in either butcher paper, wax paper, parchment paper, or cheese paper. And even if it's, if you want to, you can then put it into a plastic bag and not seal it, mm-hmm. just so keeping it contained, mm-hmm. or even a plastic container and don't seal the top. But paper, oh, and blue is, fine wrapped in tin foil. Really? Yeah. It's really humid. It has a lot of moisture in it. So that okay. it's moist. And I know that's a lot of people hate that word, but sorry. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So just let your cheese breathe. And if you have a younger runnier cheese, try to consume it within a week of purchase. Older oh. cheeses last longer, but the younger cheeses think of something like in a brie family or yeah. more BA actually isn't that old either. And it's, it's more about the texture, softer texture, yeah. meaning a shorter shelf life. Oh, that's fascinating. And when things grow on, so I've bought yeah. botten is not the, the right word. But <laughs> there's a, there's this beautiful cheese farm in Vermont um, called Jasper Hill, and they've yeah. got some beautiful, stinky, gorgeous mm. cheeses. And um, I have purchased them <clears throat> and then put them in the fridge. And then all of a sudden you get that beautiful stinky waft like a week later and you're like, oh, I forgot. I got to eat that. Yeah. And then there's little things growing on top of it. Is it okay to slice and get the little, the little moldy bits off of like the washed rind cheeses and things like that? Okay. Uh, so there's colors that you should avoid. In okay. What, are the, what colors? <laughs> so pink, not great. Uh, black, not good. Okay. Um, blue is common, like a blue gray, cause that is the penicillium, okay. uh, forti, and there's another one called penicillium glaucum mm-hmm. that you'll find in a Stilton cheese. It's a bit more mild of a blue and that they also allow it to grow on goat cheeses. So mm-hmm. if you see little spots of blue on a goat cheese, that's one of the blue molds, um, on a camembert or brie, not so much in the U S because they're, they're pasteurized, yeah. but the unpasteurized you will get kind of an orangish color sometimes, mm-hmm. a little reddish orange uh, brick. We'll say brick orange. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's uh, that's okay too. On hard cheeses, if you see little spots of mold growing, you can cut those away mm-hmm. and you're fine. In a really young cheese, you've got to be more careful because the mold spores will grow in deeper. So on a washed rind, you got to be careful because okay. yeah, the rind is pretty soft it's pretty yeah. and yeah. the center is going to be quite soft so you've got to be pretty careful with that. eat that cheese eat moral that of the story cheese. eat that yeah. cheese yeah. yeah okay so we have a million listener questions like Great. you are so everyone's talk about cheese so okay. you want to dive into a couple of these by a couple i mean a lot okay great let's do it all right katie from instagram asks 
When I buy cheese at the grocery store, it sometimes gets sweaty, air quotes, in the fridge and kind of grosses me out. What's the best way to store the cheese? Well, Katie, we actually just talked about that. (laughs) So cheese paper. What is cheese paper? Maybe we can talk about that for a second. Paper is, I wish I had some. I ran out. Um, There's a great company in the U.S. called they make it here actually that's there. I think they're based in Boston or something for Maticum. Okay. O R form. Mm-hmm. And then A T I C U M for Maticum. Okay. Uh, so cheese paper is just a lot like a wax paper, but it's basically like what they give you at a cheese shop. So it's, oh, okay. Yeah. That's what it is. And it's for home use. So, um, is it reusable or do you one and done? Uh, it depends on, I've reused when I have a cheese that, well, like a hard cheese, if yeah. it's not, yeah. If it's not too greasy or anything. Mm-hmm. Also sheep cheeses, uh, it's Katie who answered, asked that mm-hmm. question, but mm-hmm. sheep cheeses can be a little more oily slash mm-hmm. weak. Uh, so I wouldn't reuse something like that. And if you have soft cheese residue, you shouldn't reuse it. No, but, mold, mold is not right. your friend. Right. And the, yeah, so the sweaty if it's wrapped in plastic, that is because it, you're trapping moisture inside your, if it's sealed. Uh, so that's why I said it, it needs to breathe and you need to make sure that it's not, you're not cutting off its air supply. And if it is sweaty, do you recommend like taking a paper towel or something and wiping yeah. it down before you wrap it in the cheese paper yes. or wax paper? Okay, great. I would do that. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. All right, Katie. Check the show notes. I'll link everything. I'm sure it does. Justin in Texas writes, I love all of your pictures on Instagram. It makes me feel like I'm in Paris with you. I agree with Justin. Do you go to the markets every day to do your shopping? Oh, thank you, Justin. I'm glad you enjoy Instagram. I have a lot of fun with Instagram. I do not go to the market every day. Part of the reason why is the lines are long and we would be there for hours every morning. So I try to go once a week Mm. and it's great because other than Mondays, every single district in Paris has at least, at least one, Uh, usually two. So you can pick and choose. So I'm in the 15th. I've got, there's seven, I think in the neighborhood here. So Saturday is this one and Thursday is that one. And Friday is this one. And Friday afternoon is that one. So you really can pick and choose. And you also can get to know the people. And if you go early, there's some really great producers who are from right outside of Paris who are bringing in their fresh vegetables, who are bringing in um, their chickens and everything. So you will notice the lines as it gets later, like who are the good ones? Because if you and, go and there's no line, it's usually like, oh, eh, sketchy. No and yeah. define early. Like what is early in Paris? Oh, much later than there. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I have not tried to even go at eight, probably nine. Oh my God. 9 a.m. Like I am like already done 10 tasks. I would have been, I, do they open before nine? Like I would be there at like, I thought you were going to say 530. <laughs> no, 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 no. They're not there that early. They're not. Yeah. Um, oh, I love I that. I think if they're, I feel like the last time I went around eight or 830 people, a lot of them were still setting up probably. Oh not my gosh. Nine, but they're not there at seven. Oh my um, gosh. 
I love I've that. Then that early. So. That's you know, awesome. And like, do you go to one place for your vegetables, one place for the cheese, one place for the bread? Oh, it's so romantic. I love that. Do they take cash only? No, no, they take credit cards. Perfect. Too. Yeah. That's no, awesome. The great fish there's, um, but it's also like in my neighborhood, I have a fish store and, a yeah. cheese shop and three or four vegetable shops and bakeries everywhere. So it's, I tend to go when I'm looking for, if I want roast chicken mm. or duck, um, there's also people doing uh, like Lebanese takeaway or North African or uh, West African, West African takeaway. Yeah. So you can get some really good food to go and regional foods from. I'm so freaking jealous. Yeah. I'm moving to Paris. I'm coming next door. I'll, st- I'll rent your house in the South if it's still there. Um, Kristen in New Hampshire writes, years ago, I read French women don't get fat. Is that really true? How is it that French eat such rich foods and stay so slim? What is the body image culture in France? Is it similar to the US? It's a big question. All right. So I did read that book. My mom sent it to me. Actually. Oh, Jesus. I felt a little insult, more insulted by it. But, um, Our moms, I swear. I know. My, my mom would probably send it to me too. I love her. I love you, Michelle. Yeah. My God. Um, so I felt, um, I felt she was, Mire, I think that's her name, really perpetuating some stereotypes. I didn't love it. Um, she also was like the CEO of a champagne house or something. Mm. I don't know. But um. I found it kind of snobby. Uh, I'm going to say, so we've lived in the South of France in rural, like wine producing, olives, wine, mm. 400 people. We've mm-hmm. lived in Normandy as well, mm-hmm. near Bayou. And Parisians are slimmer than people in the country because most of them don't have a car. Mm-hmm. They're climbing stairs at the Metro every day. They're walking when I, I, in my real life, I do on the ground food tours and cheese and wine workshops. So just on average commuting on the Metro, I was walking between three and five miles a day, just easily getting yeah. back and forth from Metro stations and doing sure. So there is, um, it's, I think it's easier to stay slim here because you're moving constantly. Even if it's not exercising, you're still moving all the time Yeah, where it's more car-based I would say people are heavier. Also, fast food is becoming more and more of a thing. France mm. is the second largest uh, consumption of McDonald's in the world after the U.S. Yes. What? Mm. Yeah. I would never have guessed that. I know. So all the young people love their fast food. And you can see people are getting heavier here. It's oh, my God. Uh, there, so there is this kind of thing about being slim and a French women and doctors even will often comment because I'm like a size 14, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, they'll comment on my weight. Um, I'm like, oh my I God. therapy got 10 or about a year and a half ago. I had a shoulder thing. Yeah. And the guy, the physical therapist said when he was filling out the form, he said, so do you, are you sport, sportif? Are you sporty? And then he looked at me and said, oh, my like it, that, it means, um, well, I can see that you're not. Like, <gasps> and I was like, oh, okay. So you're going to be like this. this is yeah. Great. Like I have a whole lot of, you can shut the fuck up, buddy. Like seriously. So there still is that. And it's like, 
my doctor told me I needed to start losing weight. So I, it's weird because I see. And you look beautiful, by the way, like where you're, you look fantastic. I'm very comfortable in my skin. Yeah. So I feel like, and I get out and I walk and I yeah. don't worry about it so much. When I was an au pair here, when I was 21, the lady was super, uh, just like hammering it into me that I shouldn't eat pasta and I shouldn't do this. And so, yeah, it still exists. Um, I would say that the body image culture here is probably not as healthy as it is in the U S and the U S mm. women are allowed to be heavier without getting so now. much. Yeah. Now. Yeah. yeah. Without getting so Thank much. you, Lizzo. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I know. And here that has not arrived yet. There is this amazing actress, comedian. I don't know, can't think of her name, but it's there are some people trying to get that to change, but it's good. Really, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's an interesting, it's very interesting. Um but it's kind of like New York City, like here in the in the States, like New York City, people in New York are going to probably on average burn more calories than someone oh, yeah. in Kansas because right. they're right. walking, they're at, they're taking the subway, they're commuting, their, their commute is on foot. Same thing. I live in the, the Boston Metro area. And oh, when yeah. I lived, when I worked in the city, it was the same, same thing. And then when I moved out here with in the suburbs with a car, well, put on some pounds, but that's yeah, okay. It's different. It, it really is. I, I know I have too, since uh, I stopped working every day, since it's mm -hmm. become more sedentary, just, and also the other thing here too, that I think helps with the, um, people being more slim and eating mm. rich food is poor. They're generally fast food aside, they're eating smaller portions of food that has a better flavor and better quality. So instead of a giant thing of really cheap, like a giant pizza that costs you $2, yeah. you're eating smaller amounts of food that are much more richly flavored. So you're satisfied faster. You're not just trying to fill that void because wow. the flavor's not there. And also lunch is the main meal of the day. Yeah. And at night it's lighter. A lot of people will just have some soup or a little salad at night because they've eaten a bigger meal during the day. That's exceptionally, if you have friends around at night, you're going to have a bigger meal, but yeah. But it's once in a while. That's yeah. not like your typical, yeah. that's fascinating. And I love that because a lot of people assume when they look at the French food and, you know, there's the higher butter fat and the, yeah. the milks and the creams and everything, everyone's like, how are they eating all of that? And, but you're right that you are more satisfied quicker when yeah. you're eating. So, so you don't need a, you know, six cups of a huge portion of something right. that's fascinating. Okay. Yeah. Tom in Chicago asked, this is a great segue. What are your favorite French recipes that you think someone could make here in the U.S. easily? Okay. Uh, let's see. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I have been taking some online cooking classes myself and something that I've never made before, which it's a great base recipe to have. It's um, choux pastry, C-H-O-U-S. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Which can be made sweet, which will be things mm -hmm. like a cream puff, or profiterole, mm -hmm. or you can add a bunch of cheese, shredded cheese into it. And it's called a gougere. Yeah. So Super good. Easy to make and they freeze well. And that's really fun. It's like butter, milk, flour. It's really easy. And uh, it's interesting too, because the shoe dough you do warm, right? Yes, is that, yeah. yeah. Which is super interesting. Yeah. yeah. You can add herbs into it. You can add mm. spices. So 
That's a great recipe. That's a great idea. Um, there's a, so clafouti is a mm-hmm. dessert that's mm-hmm. fruit and the base is very little flour. It's mainly milk and eggs. Mm-hmm. So you can make it with strawberries, cherries, uh, dried apricots, mm. prunes. Uh, if it's prunes, they tend to call it a far Breton. It's a Brittany kind of oh, sure. thing. It's delicious. Yeah. But that's really easy because you just you mix the stuff up, you put the fruit in the bottom of this of a pan and you pour the batter on and throw it in the oven. It's delicious. It almost sounds kind of like what we call it here the Dutch baby. Dutch baby. Yeah. It's to a Dutch baby, the texture. But it's a it when you come bring it out of the oven, it is really puffed like that. Yeah. But then you allow it to cool. Yeah. <gasps> I love Dutch babies. I make savory ones for dinner quite often. Do you? What do you yeah. put in your savory Dutch baby? I love a Dutch baby. Yeah. I put, so I add herbs to the batter, but then I saute onions and cherry tomatoes on the side and then put that on top of the Dutch baby when it comes out of the oven. Yeah. You had me at, oh, I know what I'm making for dinner tonight. I usually just have all that stuff lying around like milk, eggs. Yeah. You know, so it's something really economical, something really easy and uh, yeah. And so so satisfying. Yeah, I know. I love a good Dutch baby. So also poulet, like a chicken Mm. with cider, apple, hard apple cider. That's very common in Normandy. And it's very easy because you're basically browning the chicken. So skin on and Mm -hmm. bone in like Mm -hmm. chicken legs or something, or even Mm -hmm. cut down chicken. Um, And then let's see, do you saute? You can add carrots, you can add onions. Uh, you're putting a bunch of cider in a, in the pan and just slow braising it for a while until it kind of falls off the bone. So what would you serve that with? Oh, with potatoes on the side Mm. or even have with just some pasta or rice or yum. Yeah. Yeah. If you put potatoes in it, you can just have it as a, Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's another version that has usually tomatoes in it called poulet au vinaigre. So it's red wine vinegar. Mm. I love poulet au vinaigre and it's really good. It's almost better if you let it sit overnight and then warm it up again. It just, you know, it, all the flavor gets, yeah, it gets all beautiful mm. together. Oh. It's like making a buff bourguignon or cocoa, sure. wine, letting it sit for a day or two, it makes it even better. But I'm so glad you didn't mention any of those because that's like the, when people think of French cooking, everyone goes right to Julia Child, which yeah, I bow down to Julia. She is a goddess, <laughs> yeah. but you know, there's so much more than bouffe bourguignon oh, and cocovan and yeah. like even a beautiful bean cassoulet is just oh, fantastic, yeah. you know, and like the simple and air quotes peasant dishes that mm-hmm. isn't foie gras and, and things mm-hmm. like that are just, oh, yeah, warm my heart. Cassoulet, uh, I have a very soft spot in my heart for cassoulet because years ago, I have a good friend down in Gascony, mm-hmm. Kate Hill is her name. Mm-hmm. And she invited, this was when I first started blogging, I think it was probably 13 years ago on Twitter. So it was in Twitter was fairly new. And she said, come one, come all, I'm doing a camp, camp cassoulet weekend. So I very tentatively wrote this message and said, I'm about two hours south of you. Can I come? And she said, yeah, I have one bedroom left. Come on up. So I went up for the weekend and I met now good friends, my friend Lucy in Lyon, who has a cooking school, Lucy, um, Banel, B-A-N-E-L. Mm-hmm. So it's called Plum Lyon. Mm-hmm. And I met David Leibowitz that weekend in <gasps> Lola. Yeah. So no. I, yeah, I just, it was these friendships that so long ago, 
have really shaped my experience here in France. So uh, Kate, we made three different versions of cassoulet. One was cooked in the fire, one in the oven, one outside on a barbecue. Mm. <laughs> Had a great weekend. So I still try to make one every winter. I have a castle from the Nolfrère. They've been making the castles, the vessel. It's mm -hmm. a clay vessel. It's up on a shelf for us. I'd get it down. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I try to make one once a year. It's a little time consuming, but totally worth it. A hundred percent. You can do it in a couple hours, really. And a lot yeah. of that's just in the oven cooking. Mm -hmm. So you taste the love. It you feel yeah. it like warms your heart and soul yeah. when you're eating it. Totally. Yeah. Um, okay. Marie in Maine asks, how do you make an authentic French cheese board? Ah, interesting question, Marie. So I've noticed more and more of these crazy elaborate boards on Instagram yeah. that include everything but the kitchen sink. It's like literally I know. pretzels, gummy bears, <laughs> mint. Like I want to throw up just thinking about a gummy bear on a cheese board. Oh my goodness. So France is pretty purist about cheese. It's a separate course during the meal. Mm -hmm. It comes after the main course and before dessert. And so often it is just cheese on the board with some baguette and your wine. So mm -hmm. it's just cheese. Um, if you want to add anything, I would say something very simple, maybe some nuts or maybe a little jam. Fig jam is one of my favorites. It goes really well with goat cheese and with blue cheese. Mm -hmm. uh, fresh figs are wonderful, but their season is so yeah. short. So fig jam yeah. is a favorite. Um, and then something kind of neutral, like a cracker or, but here it's usually just baguette. Okay. Um, and I mean, I've asked cheese makers, I've asked cheese mongers. And when you say, what would you put on a cheese board? They just look at you like cheese, <laughs> cheese and baguette. And you always, and you're having wine. So what more yeah. do you want? Right. It's like the Holy Trinity. So, right. Yeah. So that okay, perfect. is perfect. It's, I, sorry if you're expecting a much more. No answer, but in France, it generally is just cheese. I love that. Let's simplify cheese. People we're putting cheese on yeah. the French cheese board. Um, Sonia from Facebook asks when planning a cocktail party for friends, how much cheese should I plan per person? Okay. Um, so if you have big cheese lovers, I would go for about two ounces or so of each cheese per person. Mm -hmm. if uh, like if they're just you have all the the people who love the cheese if not you can go a little lower maybe like one and a half ounces mm -hmm. of each cheese i love person. that yeah perfect and that's probably like because in the u.s in the states a lot of times we throw cheese boards out more not in during the courses of a meal yeah. but in the beginning in the like beginning. during happy hour or yeah. a cocktail party so yeah. That's, that's awesome. And then you get full, filled up on cheese and you're like, yeah. I don't need to eat anything else. And I've eaten cheese. And here in the U S you probably are putting a gummy bear on it. And please don't Sonia. Um, Jake in New Jersey asks, this is such a cute question. What is your favorite cheese for a grilled cheese sandwich? Oh, okay. Jake. Um, it's probably been a while since you've had a grilled cheese sandwich. It is. I mean, I, I don't know if you get raclette cheese there. I don't know, but I can look. Raclette, R-A-C-L-E-T-T-E, is mm. a cheese. It's also a little machine. So it's a seasonal thing that we have in the winter where you have these little 
this little, it's almost like a grill thing. So you put it on the table, you plug it in. It's like fondue. I know exactly what you're talking about. I've seen it on like a cooking show. Yes. Okay. So everyone has their little triangles or squares of cheese. You put them in these little paddles and you have steamed potatoes and and cured meats on the side and often pickles or pickled Mm -hmm. onions. The raclette melts so, so nicely. And you can get smoked raclette. You can get raclette Mm. with garlic or uh, chives or ramps or even smoked, uh, it's called a grisson. It's a smoked beef. So that would make a fabulous grilled cheese. But if not, I would go for a young, when I say young, I'm going to say Gruyere or Comté. They're both Mm -hmm. in the same family. One is Swiss generally, one is French, but younger ones, because as they age there, it changes the kind of consistency. Yeah. The texture of it. Yeah. And they don't melt as easily. Yeah. Like when you warm up Parmesan, Parmesan cheese, it it can almost congeals. You get all the oils breaking and yeah. So you want a younger one that will melt really well. So something I, love like that, I know something under a year old is generally the best. I find Swiss kind of meh. Morbier yeah. actually would be a good oh. group. You, they often will serve Morbier as a raclette cheese mm. uh, because raclette, the cheese itself is only available in the winter time generally. So mm. now it's gone from the fromageries and so sad. raclette. Uh, which is a very hearty winter dish, but if you want it, you can use more BA in place. Of- I so love it. All right. I'll put all of this in the show notes for Jake. I think, I think it does. <laughs> Selena from Instagram. Oh, this is another cute question. Asks if you were stranded on a deserted Island with a refrigerator, you're adorable <laughs> Selena and could only bring three cheeses with you. What would you bring? I know it's like picking a favorite fur baby for her. Oh, yeah. Um, Okay, I do have this one favorite, a current favorite called Le Carré Corse. So Corsican, well, Carré is like a square or a tile. Mm-hmm. And I discovered it just over a year. Well, it's a year and a half now. I remember it distinctly. It was November. You know, it, was a, it was a sunny day. There was dew in the air. <laughs> well, we were, I was across town. I remember the cheese shop because I walked in and when I spot a new cheese, I get excited. So I bought this and brought it home and just like fell ahead of her heels for it. It's a wash drying cheese from Corsica and it is a new mommy bomb. It is everything from like fermented fruit to purple grapes to dolce de leche. And it just, you put it in your mouth and the flavors just go on and on and on. And it's crazy, crazy delicious. So I would say that one. Mm-hmm. Um, currently it's goat cheese season at the moment. Goat mm. cheeses have a season. It's the spring to the autumn. And there's one cheese that I tasted years ago and then kind of ticked it off the list and didn't revisit it until last spring. So I bought it again, not too long ago. It's called Shabby Choux du Poitou. Oh, it's <laughs> such a pretty name. I love it. That's so silly. Yeah. Uh, so it comes from the Poitou Charente, which is where cognac is produced. And it's a little kind of, it uh, looks like a, really big um corks cork mm. so that's anyway shabby choux du poitou it would be another one um oh and saint marcelin oh so, yeah so we've got a that would be a cow a goat and a sheep yeah so saint marcelin smells like the inside of a barn oh perfect <laughs> almost tastes like the inside of a barn. Per- that's what i'm looking in for a in a cheese it is super and it's usually sold in a little earthenware crock or mm. box because when you put your spoon in it it just like drips 
delicious. So, oh. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. But you know, those are French cheeses. I do love a good farmhouse cheddar as well. Oh, sure. You know, Who doesn't? And, yeah, and a good pecorino from Italy. So oh, I've yeah. five, so we'll cut it back. I love it. No, thing. you can bring all the cheese you want. You <laughs> Apparently you have a refrigerator, so I think it'll it can be filled. Diane in California asks, my husband and I are hoping to get to Paris this fall. What are your favorite tours to do in the fall? Oh, okay. Um, fall is gorgeous here. Uh, so if you can, if you have a nice day, I did go to Versailles once and did the mm. bike trip. So you get, you meet here in the city, it's called Fat Tire Tours. Mm-hmm. So they meet you here, you get the train out to Versailles. They're there with the bikes, you go shopping, you get your picnic and you get to ride all over the grounds and then you get tickets as well to go into the chateau. So on a nice day, that is such a wonderful thing to do because just seeing the chateau from the, the gardens yeah. and uh, if it's still early autumn, you're still going to see all the, the flowers and yeah. have a nice, nice garden experience where in the winter they tend to, it's all gone. Yeah, it dies. So, um, I mean, it's the food tours, which I lead food tours. Yeah. Your, what's one of your tours that you do in the fall? Uh, well, they're year round really. Mm-hmm. So uh, they involve stopping, buying a lot of food and then going and sitting and eating and drinking. So it's, it's ha- mostly outside, but some of it's inside. Uh, it just, if you can, if you have nice weather, try to enjoy the outside, try to get a historical tour that takes you around a certain neighborhood. If you're interested in that kind mm-hmm. of thing um food tours are always good i mean most of the tours run year round so it's just a matter of how good your weather is if you mm-hmm. lots of rain and want would rather be inside versus enjoying the weather montmartre is a great neighborhood to explore and get a tour up there because it takes you up a hill and you get great views oh. over the city yeah um the cemeteries are quite interesting visiting um mm-hmm. Montparnasse or Père Lachaise. Um, oh, you know, I know they're super cheesy and touristy, mm-hmm. but the boats get Oh, a- yeah. D- don't eat on one. I've heard there's one that has good food, but just get one and go at night because it takes you down to the Eiffel Tower and the Eiffel Tower sparkles on the hour, every hour from dusk until 1 a.m. So it'll take you down there and you can bring your own champagne or whatever. Oh, and I love that. Be under the Eiffel Tower on a boat on the Seine when the Eiffel Tower starts sparkling. And I just think it's It's so beautiful. It is. And I have people look at me in horror sometimes like, Oh, I'm sure like Parisians are probably like, that is the worst thing. It's an atrocity. It's an eyesore. No, I mean, so many people picnic under the tower and no, it's very much, it's, it's become loved now I'd say. Uh, Yeah, I know. And the parks too. They're just enjoy the parks. Yeah. There's so many tours. Good Lord. I could. Yeah. But the yeah. point is find one, get outside and enjoy the nice yeah, weather because exactly. it's short lived in, is. you know, that part of the world as it is here in new England. So I, I, I get it. Um, Kayla from Instagram asks, what are your favorite cheeses to cook with and how do you like to cook with them? Oh dear. Um, oh, there's this dish called tartiflette, which is, <laughs> It's cooked potatoes and cooked bacon. Ooh, put, them in a and hello. put them in a gratin dish mm-hmm. and you take reblochon cheese 
which is a, it almost looks like a big camembert and you yeah. cut it crosswise. So you get the two discs and you put those on top of all your potatoes and bacon, a little splash of white wine, a little bit of cream, and you throw it in the oven and let all the cheese melt into the potatoes. And it's so good. It's so oh good. my God. A revolution uh, that also, I love making potato gratins with shredded mm-hmm. uh, gruyere or comté. Um, and goat cheese, little salad, like a goat cheese salad. You just take little bits of goat cheese, put it on toast Ooh. and kind of grill it yeah. and add it to a green salad. That sounds delicious. Um, I just like that you didn't say mac and cheese because you know, here in the U S I know, I know, I know when people think of cooking with cheese, they're going to be like, Oh, mac and cheese, cheese and potatoes. Yeah, no, but I love being girl. You're taking it next level. Those are amazing. Oh yeah. I didn't even think of mac and cheese. (laughs) No, you don't need to. You've been gone for 18 years. Don't think of mac and cheese. Think of your toast with the goat cheese on a salad. That's what I want. That's what I want today. Now I'm going to, there's so many cheeses I'm now going to eat. Thank you so much, Jennifer. There's Um, some really good ones too. You could throw into like a quiche or even. Oh yeah. I love a quiche. So yeah. Breakfast for dinner. Quiche, quiche to me anytime. Yeah. Quiche and frittata. I'm, I'm in. Amy in New York, and we, Amy, we kind of already touched on this, but we'll circle back. Amy in New York asks, what are your favorite things to put on a cheese board other than cheese? <laughs> well, Amy, newsflash, nothing. Bag no, out. no. Oh, um, I'm kidding. Yeah, and fig jam. I love walnuts or hazelnuts mm. or almonds. I think nuts go really well. Mm-hmm. Um, dried fruit, dried cranberries, mm-hmm. uh, dried uh, prunes. I'm trying to think. The word for fr- uh Plum in French is prune. <laughs> so Perfect. Dried. What is it called? Yeah. Uh, so um, apples are great when they're in season. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, figs aren't incredible when they're in season. Mm-hmm. So different jams, honeys as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorite things. You could just do this. I did this the other well, a couple months ago. A little bit of blue cheese with a couple walnuts and a drizzle of maple syrup blue loves sweet things yeah yeah so that was really really good or a drizzle of honey would be another idea with blue cheese or goat cheese Mm -hmm. yeah i feel like goat like really good goat cheese Mm. like sweet too a little bit like yeah i think but it's also i I would also say amy talk to your cheesemonger if you're in new york city you've got a million you've got formaggio kitchens there you've got a beautiful array of different cheese shops in the city and ask because a lot of these and i think people get intimidated when they walk into a cheese shop and they see you know a thousand different kinds of cheeses and they want to pick them but then they're like well what pairs well with that like i don't want to screw it up you know so ask somebody ask somebody that's there right Yes, they are there to help you and they are knowledgeable and that's their job. And mm-hmm. don't be afraid to ask questions, really. I know it is super intimidating. People tell me that all the time. They'll come here, they'll walk into a cheese shop, they'll it's surrounded by the cheese and they'll just turn around and walk out because yeah. they don't know what to do. So let them help you. But yeah. try to think in, in the way that you would shop for wine if you have someone helping you. They're gonna ask you like what flavor profile, yeah. strong, light, white, red. So think in the same way, think I really like stinky cheese, or I really don't like that, or I really Mm -hmm. don't like goat, or I really do. So give them some guidelines to at least point them in a direction, Mm -hmm. but think about the flavors you like and let them 
Great advice. And also be open. Like I personally don't care for Chardonnay, but I don't care for really like certain types of Chardonnay. And I have found other types of Chardonnay. I really, really enjoy. So it really matters. Like if you don't like goat cheese, there's probably a goat cheese out there for you. You might not have liked the goat cheese you had. So stay open, stay open and ask questions. So Marissa in New Hampshire asks, how does the average French person eat cheese ordinarily after dinner with bread, crackers, or as a snack? We kind okay. of touched on this as well, but. It's, I, I think, well, the French eat, uh, I think it's 54 pounds of cheese a year on average, wow. almost twice as much as the U.S., which is like, so it's 56 versus in the U.S. it's 24 pounds. Wow. So I'm sure a lot of it is cooking. There's got to be. You know, yeah. But a lot of people do enjoy bits of cheese on sandwiches or uh, I have, I know some French people who put out a cheese course after their lunch every day. Really? Like after, yeah. Instead of having a little dessert, they'll just yeah. put cheese out. And when I lived in Normandy and uh, my job, the 10 o'clock smoke break slash sure. coffee break, cheese came out and oh. it was dipped in coffee. Oh, what kind of cheese is dipped in coffee? Well, they were dipping camembert. They were dipping Mm. all the local stuff. Livavo, camembert, Pont-Levesque. I was appalled. I I don't need to dip cheese in my coffee. There's also a tradition in Brie country, which is about 35, 25 to 35 miles outside of Paris, that they let Brie, which is at its peak is about eight weeks old when we're Mm. eating it and it's nice and soft. They'll let it sit and age for months to oh. almost to, up to a year and it's called oh. brie noir black brie and it, it almost it sh- breaks apart it shards it's so mm. dry and that's very traditional to dip it in coffee as well uh, i don't know so, how i feel about that i really know, don't I don't need to do that personally but you know <laughs> so the question was usually with bread baguette mm-hmm. crackers aren't a thing here they're slowly you're seeing some imported crackers from the uk mm are for cheese um and it's usually a separate course um or on a sandwich or cooked with so i guess i'm so the french aren't big on snacking they're not a big snacking culture no so sad have your breakfast it's usually very light Mm -hmm. you have your lunch which is like what an hour or two when you're sitting down for lunch yeah it's changed a little bit. If you're in an office, sometimes it's mm-hmm. an hour or mm-hmm. sometimes a little less, but in the country, it's things close from 1230 till three. So it's a full on the kids go home from school or if they're at school, they have a two hour lunch. Uh, so they eat and then they can play and do other things. So uh, mm-hmm. then there is the, for the kids, the goûter, which is the afternoon snack. They get home from school and they have a little afternoon snack. And then there's the aperitif, which you're going to have after your work day around seven and then your dinner is around eight or nine. Paris is more like nine out in the country. It's about eight. And um, it's not really served. Cheese isn't really served with an aperitif like it would be in Italy. Really? No, it's an after meal thing. It's a separate course. And the tradition of this is because the French have always believed 
that cheese helps aid in your digestion. Ah, uh, yeah. Every, Italy, Italy loves digestion too. It's all about getting things yeah. moving. Yeah. Yeah. You've got your digestive here. Yeah. After, you know, so all, yeah. and also there was, uh, I don't remember if it was Denmark or Norway, but somebody, one of the Scandinavian countries a few years ago did a study and they found that the hard cheeses like a Conte or Gruyere or Parmigiano Reggiano, Gouda, that kind of thing, because of the natural enzymes in it, it does help break down your food and oh. help digest. It's not a diet. It's not going to make you lose weight, but it can <laughs> keep you from gaining weight because it helps you digest. So, oh, so have that little cube of Gruyere or yeah. whatever. Yeah. I love yeah, it. It's uh yeah, I mean, in, in a reasonable portion, I'm not talking like, you know, giant slab of it or something, mm -hmm. just a little bit. Uh, and also, let me try to remember, a 3.5 ounce piece of a hard cheese like those, the ones I just mentioned, if you compare it in weight to two eggs, which would be about two eggs, the cheese has almost twice the amount of protein in it. Oh, wow. And about a quarter of the cholesterol. Nuh-uh. That's a, that is a statistic that is in the book Mastering Cheese by Max McCallum. So, oh my God. Yeah. yeah. So cheese. I might be eating more cheese than eggs yeah. in the morning. <laughs> part of it. Actually, I do in the morning if I know I'm not going to be home for a while. And I, if I'm worried about low blood sugar, yeah. I will just have a tiny bit of cheese because I know the protein will keep me going. I'm um, like an egg, like a hard boiled egg or something. Wow. So then, and we're going on a tangent for a second, but what then do you eat? Uh, cause so in Italy, I, I'm Italian. I'm from my family's from Southern Italy, but my husband okay. and I, for our honeymoon went for three weeks and we traveled all through most of Italy, not most, but parts of Italy. And we, you know, loved aperitivo, yes. love me some aperitivo, it but it's funny when you're sitting there and you're having your spritz or your aperitif or, or whatever, you're eating olives and potato chips nine times out of 10. Like yeah. that's what you're eating at the, at the bar. So what are you having for your aperitif in France? Uh, it's funny. Uh, often the same thing, potato oh, chips, nuts. Okay. Um, yeah. Unless I can get down on that. Yeah. Yeah. It's very similar. I, I have Anglophone friends, expats yeah. who will cook things, uh, but often it's, it's olives, it's chips, it's nuts. And you go to like at the store next to all the wine and stuff and the selection of all these things, the chip aisle, just the flavors, you've got like roasted chicken flavor. And I love it. Awesome. <laughs> Screw it. Yeah. So it's very simple. Open a bunch of bags, throw them in a bowl. Yeah. Done. <laughs> done. Go. I love it. Okay. Julia from Instagram asks, I would love to do one of your virtual cheese classes. How does it work? Hey, uh, Julia, you just need to sign up for it. I do them on Eventbrite, which it's under my name. I mm -hmm. currently don't have one until May 15th at the moment. I think it's a cheese board. It's about mm -hmm. building cheese boards mm -hmm. and then talking about all the different flavor profiles of the families of cheese and matches made in heaven and things like that. Uh, then do people, I, so do you give a list ahead of time of the cheeses yes. you're going to talk about so they can go and buy them and do them with yeah. you? I love that. That's awesome. I have a separate camera too. So I actually build a board. Oh, cool. Yeah. 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 That's uh, awesome. I'm doing another just overview of French cheese in general with a company called context. It used to be context travel. Now it's context mm -hmm. learning. Mm -hmm. That one is a week from Sunday, I think. Mm. 
Well, this is coming May out. 1st. It's May 1st. So yeah. Oh. And yeah. So this is coming, this will be out after those, okay. but I bet you'll have more that we'll be able to link to in the show yes. notes. That I'm people will be able to jump updating on. the calendar. Awesome. So I do three different ones myself and one is just about French cheese. So super kind of nerdy, deep dive into what it is, the families, the history. One is about pairing everything from wine to cocktails to jam and honey mm. to charcuterie to bread mm -hmm. to chocolate and then one is about cheese boards so those are all available and i don't know if you're going to send my email but i am contact me or they can contact mm -hmm. you and get to me so whatever i'm i'm really happy if there's questions i love it it's fun i really i've enjoyed doing them a lot i didn't i really kind of uh friends at when we first went into our first big lockdown here mm -hmm. a year ago last month my friends were saying oh you should do this and I resisted and resisted and resisted and finally over this late summer I decided to go ahead and get online and it's been fun it's yeah, great and it's it's nice for you to connect with people exactly yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 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 so I totally agree Hopefully awesome well I can't wait to take one I'll tell you that Kim in Brooklyn asks, I'm, I'm going to take all three. Kim in Brooklyn asks, I have always wanted to learn a second language and I feel like living in a foreign country would probably accelerate that. But do yeah. you have any tips for us who can't move to France and learn French or any other language? Okay. Uh, so I do think when you're studying a language, you do kind of reach a plateau unless you are surrounded by it all the time. So I had this woman here who was American, but she ran a French language school. She used to do official translations. That's how I got to know her. She said, if you can have background French radio mm. or TV, so just passive mm -hmm. listening, it, you'll start to, you'll start to learn. Mm -hmm. You will just start to absorb. And I love that. Find that you're, you're recognizing things, you're understanding them. Also, she said, read books in French. Mm. I did then go out and buy things like Bridget Jones Diary, because this was years ago. And, right, and you, you've already read it too. So you right. could, you understood a little bit of the plot line ahead of time. Yeah. The only problem with the more modern novels like that is the use of slang, which mm. I still don't understand. Sure. <laughs> so, sure. so that I was reading it like, what? What? Like, what the hell are they talking about? I think that's that's Darcy. I, I think I think they're going to their parents' house in the winter. I think he has an ugly winter sweater on. I don't know. Mark Darcy. Yeah. No, I love that. And um, one of my favorite shows is Call My Agent, which is yeah. in French, and yeah. so and with the subtitles, so you could always read and listen, and that's what I do. And it forces me. I don't speak French. I speak a little bit of Italian, but it okay. forces me to focus on the TV and not be, cause Ooh. I watch TV and I Google or yeah, I'm, I yeah, Instagram or whatever. And so this is like, I'm actually being present watching the show and they're an hour long. They, it is such a good show. It's really well done. I haven't seen it yet. Um, I need to watch it. I'm yeah. yeah. I'm in the midst of two other things and then that's next on my list, but also yeah. did you see uh, Lupin? I loved Lupin. Great. It was so, so great. Good. And it's like, so fast moving yeah. and funny. It's great. And, oh, yeah. it, it was one of my favorite shows that I watched this year too. That was yeah. another great French show. So check out Netflix people. Yeah. There's two great shows on there all in that French. Is. And if you're awesome. driving, have a, if you can get, find a French radio station or mm -hmm. things, podcast, yeah, let's just mm -hmm. listen because it's passive learning. 
Yeah. And yeah, uh, even if you buy kids books, children's books to mm -hmm. understand, but it is, it's hard. I still, I still struggle to this day. And the last year has not helped because we've been home yeah. so much and I don't get out and there's nowhere to go. Uh, I'm not, I speak with people like at the grocery store, but I'm not right. doing the interactions like I used to. And, and you and your oh, husband probably speak English together. Speak English, yeah. <laughs> so. And we watch French TV sometimes. Uh, there's sure. a couple of cooking shows like MasterChef and sure. right now, Mayor Boulanger de France. So they travel all over and pick the best baker, which mm. I love. So, uh, but all that passive learning, I think really helps. That's awesome. Okay. And, and find somebody that you can maybe speak the language with oh, yeah, even just yeah, a yeah. good friend that you can converse with a little bit. Um, because I think for me, at least with Italian, a lot of times you're afraid you're going to say something wrong. Oh, so you no. get a little anxious about, and you just got to get over yourself and you're going to, you're going to say things wrong. And Absolutely. you might want to ask somebody how their day is. And you might end up saying it's raining pigs. And that's yeah. just something that may happen. And, you know, charades goes a long way and Absolutely. it'll be, you'll be fine. You're going to be fine, Kim, but try, try Curtis from Facebook writes, I've been to Paris before, but I would like to experience life outside the city. When I visit the country next. Where else do you love to go in France and that you feel would give somebody a real feel for the country? Oh, Normandy. Well, Normandy, yeah. <laughs> Normandy, you're say it. it's just the rolling pastures filled with these beautiful cows and this, the coastline and the people and the little half timbered houses. And it's just gorgeous. And the people are super friendly and the food is amazing. Mm -hmm. And the cheeses are good. The seafood is good. Uh, the pork is going mean, to everything. They even have uh, this lamb that is grazing in the salt marshes below Mont Saint-Michel called the oh. Présale Agneau. Uh, but the cognac region is great too. The mm -hmm. coast down there, the coastline in the poitou Charentes. Is that where your house is? Ours is further south. It's in the Languedoc-Roussillon. Mm -hmm. I was an au pair near cognac. So oh, okay. I know that region well. That's wonderful. And then we used to go up there all the time. Uh, but the Languedoc, super, it's now called Occitanie. But mm. it, it's everywhere from Nîmes, which has an amazing Roman arena, all the way to the Spanish border. So you've got, you've got amazing mountain climbing up in the hills. You've got the sea. You've got great wine and great food. So it's super varied. You can really... Uh, historically it's roman it's greek uh you can it's some of the first traces of human beings the wow de Totavel. so you can really it's a completely varied region i don't really know eastern france i've never been to the jura i've only been to lyon once mm -hmm. in that's a city um mm -hmm. i don't know burgundy i know provence a little bit mm -hmm. oh and Brittany. i've never been but it's supposed to be it's supposed to be yeah Fabulous. So wonderful. Normandy, you can hop on a train in Paris and be in Bayeux in two hours and 10 minutes. And you can so walk easy. in the center of town from the train station. So I used to, we lived right there. So I used to do day trips into Paris. So if you just mm -hmm. want to get a feel of the country, yeah, it's an easy trip to go out there. I love that. I'm, my bags are packed. <laughs> I'm coming. I hope you have a second bedroom. I'll cook. Okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'll rent an Airbnb, but we're going to hang out. Okay. Benjamin from Instagram writes, I've always wanted to live in Europe. Do you feel like making the transition from living in the U S to France was tough? Oh, 
Benjamin. Okay, so well, <laughs> it's funny. Yes. <laughs> no, no, I'm no. gonna say no. Okay. I think really you're gonna hear a huge range of stories, people, yeah. you know, nightmare stories. We I think it really depends on the attitude you have coming into it. And you can't move to a foreign country. I'm gonna use France as an example. I've never mm -hmm. lived in any other countries. You can't come here and expect things to be the same as they are there. Mm -hmm. And that's a big problem is people moan and complain that, well, why are the beds a different size? And why do they do this? And why is there no air conditioning? And I don't like this. And I don't, and it's like, yes, I know. Yes, it's different. It's a different country. They do. That's what you moved for. You moved for different. Oh, well, that's the thing. I, a lot of these people may have, are their trailing spouses or, yeah, they you know, there's this, well, I don't know if you saw Emily in Paris, mm -hmm. but you know, people have this idea of what life is here. Mm -hmm. That is very heavily perpetuated by the media and it mm -hmm. is not like that okay it's a life like anywhere you still have to file taxes and mm -hmm. take out the garbage and fight with your neighbor and you deal with day-to-day -day life stuff so it's not easy the paperwork here and any French person will say the same the administrative stuff is a nightmare and it never ends really um I mean it gets better mm -hmm. <laughs> once you've got a 10-year card or I'm a citizen now, so I don't have to deal with that. Actually, I have to renew the card, so I'm dealing with that. Uh, but it just, you have to just breathe and mm -hmm. relax and know that eventually you're going to cry and you're going to want to move back against the wall. Yeah, yeah. get on a plane, but eventually it will get done and have another glass of rose and breathe. Mm -hmm. and I think moving here did definitely teach us patience. Also, we moved from New Orleans, like in the center of the city. Oh my God. 400 people, which moves at a literal snail's pace. Yeah. You really have to reel it in. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny because Italy, like my dad's side is Italian. For me, I couldn't move there because the, the admin and the bureaucracy is even that much worse. Oh, a thousand like, times I worse. It, yeah. So yeah. France is bad enough. I'm like, oh, I would love to live there, but I don't think I could no. have no no I lived in Ireland for um a summer and I lived there though in 2000 so life was very different and mm. I remember my struggles were like trying to figure out how to get the hot water on in the <laughs> shower because the, it, the hot water heater was in a closet next to the shower and you had to turn it on but you had to do it like half an hour before you wanted to I took oh, cold wow. showers for the whole summer like I couldn't I couldn't figure it out and the other thing was the wash, there was obviously no dryer, but the washing machine was in the, the kitchen part of the flat that I was renting. And I didn't know how to use it. And I broke it day one. Like it broke the handle right off day oh, one. Yeah. yeah, cause you tried to open it when yep, it's still- 100%, yeah. yep, yep. That happens a lot, yeah. Yep. Yep. You know, so everything's gonna be different. It is. Oh yeah, getting a bank account is really hard too. Is uh, it really? To For foreigners, yeah. Uh, if you have someone, who can kind of introduce you to their banker, you're, it's generally easier. It really? It's like a club. Like you need an introduction and a handshake. Kind of. and, mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's things that, and Paris to renting an apartment is excruciatingly difficult because of the laws they air. They protect the renter and not the owner. So they really, oh, really? Yeah. What they about want buying? You to 
Uh, buying, no. If you've got the money, you can buy. And getting a mortgage, I think you have to have a little bit higher amount, but that's generally not a problem. Mm. Uh, so there's, do your research. If you mm-hmm. want to move here, do your research. And it's a lot easier now than it was 18 years ago. There's a sure. million resources online. And you just, and also check the paperwork at your most, at your closest consulate, that list is there mm-hmm. and learn some French if you can, or learn Italian or learn the mm-hmm. language where you're mm-hmm. going, because it will just make your life a lot easier, but it was so worth it. Even all the times I cried and thought it was never going to, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, it was just, it's so, so worth it. I love uh, that. Yeah. So what are you excited about currently cooking in your kitchen right now? Ooh, uh, so <laughs> I found some Japanese eggplant the other day, which are hard to find here unless you're in certain neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do kind of a miso slathered Japanese eggplant. Yum. I also Every Sunday since the pandemic started, I was making homemade pizza, dough and everything. And then we, our oven broke. So we were without an oven for almost two months. The oven is now back. I'm still trying to figure it out. It's this weird microwave oh, uh, convection combi thing. Nightmare. I know. Hook, they, they're horrible. Uh, so I'm still trying to whip that baby into shape and figure it out. To make so, some pizza. I love it. So tonight, I'm not making pizza tonight. I'll probably make it tomorrow for lunch. Uh, tonight, probably going to do that eggplant. Mm. We had Amatriciana for lunch. <sighs> the pasta with the guanciale. Yeah. It's my fave. It's so good. Uh, so good. So I cook Indian. I cook Chinese. I cook Thai. I cook everything. So, and I cook pretty yeah. much every single day. If I don't cook, then we're buying a baguette sandwich from the bakery. Yum. And... What about you? What are you cooking? I'm so right now I'm doing a deep dive on. So my, one of my heroes in, in the, on the planet is Samin Nosarat. I'm oh like gosh, obsessed, know. right? Like if I could have dinner with her, oh my God, her Michelle Obama, like bring it on. Be, oh, it'd be a, yeah. Right. <laughs> and so I was listening. She had this podcast, uh, last year when, with her friend, Hrishi Shearway home cooking and um, they did one episode recently for, she was on the Michelle Obama waffles and mochi on yeah. Netflix. So cute. I and in the, in the episode, in the podcast, she mentioned this cookbook called coconut and Simbal. It's an Indonesian cookbook. Mm-hmm. So I bought it. I've been cooking out of it for a week and a half now. I'm absolutely obsessed with Indonesian food. Like I had, I've never been to Bali. I've never been to that region of the world I'm going and I'm going to eat the crap out of it when I go, because I've been cooking nonstop in the house and it's like lemongrasses. And I didn't realize there was like 15 different kinds of symbol you make at home. Like it's amazing. Amazing. I made last weekend, we made these, um, this ginger soy glazed potatoes. And the, the most fabulous thing about them was you take a sheet pan with oil and you get a bulb of garlic and you slice it in half and you put it down. So you're heating that in the oven while that's heating up, you're getting like a, a flowery style potato. So here in the U S it would be like a russet, leave the skin on, wash them, chop them up, like cubed size, like home fry size, put it in the cold boiling water, boil it for five minutes with salted boiling water, five minutes, drain it, put it back in the pot with the lid on, steam it for two minutes, shake the pot. So they will get roughed up. Yeah. Then you put that on the hot sheet pan with the oil, toss it, put them in. It got so crispy 
and mm-hmm. so fluffy on the inside. And then you take matchsticks of ginger, um, mm. the caramelized garlic and scallions or spring onions, saute that, toss all that together. And then you make a soy with a tiny bit of sugar and some rice wine vinegar on the side, mixy drizzle that all on top. It, oh my goodness. It, it was like, and I made to go with it, this chili rubbed coconut stewed roasted chicken so like the top is all caramelized and crispy and roasty i use skin on bone and chicken thighs mm-hmm. and you stuff oh, yeah. the skin underneath with this homemade symbol with caramelized shallot and everything that you make and then you oh, put God. it in this like yeah right no <laughs> then you put it in this like tamarind coconut milky sauce and Ooh. up to like halfway so the bottom is like stewy and the top is crispy the potatoes were better than the chicken and the chicken sounds damn good. And the chicken was really good, but man, those potatoes, like, so I'm, I make the food and then I'm taking all the pictures for social media. And I, my husband's standing over the stove, eating the, the potatoes. I'm like, stop eating the actors. The actors need to go to set. Stop eating the potatoes. Like it was so good. Oh my God. So, yeah. That's what I'm, that's what I'm doing. Oh, I have to look at that. Look at that. I saw that book come across my radar the other day. Um, Get it. Mm, okay. Mm. Yeah, Amazon, that shit girl so is so good. Okay. How do people get a hold of you? How are people finding you? Tell the world. So um I my blog is Shay Lulu, C-H-E-Z-L-O-U-L-O-U. And I am Lulu France at Gmail and I'm on Eventbrite under Jennifer Greco. And um I do tours. Well, I will again with Paris by mouth and I'm online with context travel. Uh, Instagram is Shay Lulu France. Shay Lulu was already gone by the time I got Instagram. Um, I am on Facebook. I also uh, have a, another seminar coming up online with a friend of mine who's a cocktail expert. Ooh. And we started a French cheese and classic cocktail tasting project together about three years ago. Mm-hmm. Her name is Forrest Collins. She's from Seattle and she's been here for 20 years. Uh, so she and I are doing, uh, we did the Manhattan, did a couple of those. And our next one that we're doing online is a daiquiri with Ooh. cheese. So we will put out a list of cheeses, just three. Uh, we'll have the ingredients for a daiquiri. We'll mix up daiquiris together, taste cheese together, talk about history of the, the drink and talk about the cheese and all that. So I'm just off on a tangent now. But I love it. No, that's fun. awesome. And I'll put everything in the show notes for people to get a hold of you, your email address. Okay. Everyone can get a con- get in contact with you. So one, one yeah. more question. Yes. One last question. Okay. If COVID wasn't a thing oh, yeah. and money, you had oodles and oodles and noodles of money. Where would you go? And what would you, you take all the time in the world? You need, <laughs> sister. Everyone has the same reaction. It's always. <sighs> well, that's, that's like my, the world is my oyster. The world, okay. Literally. I think, I think I would go to Oaxaca. I just watched something on Oaxaca last night. I know. I know. And I would just eat everything <laughs> there. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. It's like the culinary Mecca of Mexico. Yeah. 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 People do not. I mean, Mexican food to me is so, it's one of the greatest cuisines in the world. And I think people so underappreciate mm-hmm. what it is. Uh, so if I didn't do that, I might. I really, we went to Crete a year and a half ago mm-hmm. and I really want to go back to Greece and hop around some of the islands. 
I think so. you should do both. Okay. Okay. Perfect. I think you should do both. Okay, and then. Perfect. I'll meet <laughs> you in both. Okay. It was such a pleasure hanging out with you. This I can't good. thank you enough for doing this. Thank and you. I'm going to take all of your classes and I'm coming to France and we are going to drink wine okay. in person and hang out. Good. Come. I will. My cheese workshops are so much fun because it's like 12 to 14 cheeses, six different bottles of wine. It's shared between eight people. Perfect. Three hours you eat, you drink, you leave a little tipsy and full and go my girl. And a park bench and sleep it off. Speak my language. I love it. Well, thank you again. It was so nice to meet you and hanging yeah. out. This was so great. I really appreciate it. So nice to get to know you and enjoy your day and you your too. dinner. You too. I'll see you soon. <laughs> Bye. Right. Thank you. Oh man. That was so much fun. I hope you guys had fun listening to us chat about fromage. (sighs) Jennifer, thank you so, so, so much for taking time to chat with us about your love and passion for everything that you do. I'm going to link all of Jennifer's uh, information, including her online class information, her in-person tours, everything in the show notes, elizabethrfuller.com. If you have questions for the podcast or want to work together on food and product photography and many other things, shoot me an email. Let's go on a food adventure at gmail.com. And as always, tag me in all of your food adventures on Instagram at let's go on a food adventure. You guys, I can't thank you enough. You make my day and my week so exciting to be able to do this for you. So thank you for listening. As always, leave with kindness, make some yummy food for one another, and I'll see you.